Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Well, you can be seated this morning. We're glad you're here and so glad to be back. We were gone for a few weeks there and uh, got a chance to enjoy my wife, and that's awesome. That's always good. How many know that's great? And um, got a chance to get away for a little bit, but uh, I miss the church, man. I miss you guys, and this is the best church in the world. Can I just tell you that? It's the best church in the whole wide world. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. I honestly do believe that today. And we are starting a new series that we're calling Searching for God. And let me give you the thought behind this because uh, you may think that, you know, God's lost. God's not lost, but people are searching for God. And what we're using is a lot of people, when they go on the Internet, they ask questions about God because they're searching for God. They ask questions like, is God good? Or why do bad things happen in life? Or how come there's pain in the world? And so people begin to ask questions as who God is. And they're asking questions about the character of God. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about something I think we can all relate to. How do we know that God is good? How do we know that God is good? And in Psalms 23, it talks about the goodness of God. It talks about the favor and the grace of God. In fact, if you've ever been to a few churches, there are times when the pastor gets up or the worship leader gets up and and he says, God is good. And the congregation says, all the time, all the time. Yeah, we don't do that as much here, but a lot of churches, that's what they do. And God is good and all the time. And so those are great things. But Is God good when you have conflict? How is God good when you're in pain? How is God good when your prayers are not answered? How is God good when you're under stress? How is God good when your marriage is on the rocks? How is God good when you're worried and depressed? So I'm going to talk about that today because I believe that many times we question whether or not God is good. And so I want to read a verse of scripture here that I believe will encourage you. And then we're going to just dive into this message this morning and pray for God to help us today. The Bible says this in Psalm 23, verse 6, at the, toward the end of that chapter there, Psalm 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a good verse, huh? Then I want to read one more verse, Psalms 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through generations or throughout all generations. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that your word never fails, that your word is not outdated, that your word is not a fairy tale, but God, your word applies to our lives today in 2023. It is just as relevant as the day it was written right now in today's time. We need your word. 
And so, Father, I pray that your word would speak into the hearts and lives of people. God, I don't know where they're at today in their mind, in their heart, in their spiritual condition. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to them where they're sitting right now. I pray for the anointing of God as I declare your word. And let the people hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. So the Bible says, again, that it declares the goodness of God. And most of the questions would be, how is that true in my own life? And what I want to show you today is that we have to learn how to focus on the goodness of God because it's important. The moment we begin to not focus on God's goodness, let me just be very clear today, it will cause all kinds of problems in your life. It will cause all kinds of difficulties in your life. When you begin to lack focusing on God's goodness, it'll cause major stress in your life. In fact, I'm going to talk about some of the negative consequences that happen when we lose our focus on the goodness of God. The second thing I'm going to talk about is I'm going to talk about the goodness of God and give you an overview of why you and I live every day in the goodness of God and sometimes we don't recognize it. In fact, part of our worship, in fact, if you're here today for the first time, I know many times our worship could be a little overwhelming, like, whoa, man, this, is, this gets a little loud, man. And Why do we worship so much? Why, why do we sing? Because we are acknowledging the goodness of God. And part of the reason why it could be overwhelming, well, let me just tell you, so, so many times when you're bumping your music in your shower, you are into it. Am I right? You are into it. And so we are into worshiping God. We worship uh, all kinds of sports team. Why don't we worship Jesus even more, right? Why don't we worship God even more? But let me just say this about worship because many times we don't understand what worship is. And let me just read a scripture out of Psalms 34 verse 9. It says, worship God if you want the best. Because worship opens the door to all of God's goodness. Isn't that powerful? Worship opens the door to all of God's goodness. So worship is expressing worth. We're saying, God, you're worth it. When we don't worship God, what tends to happen is we begin to worship other things. Many times we worship ourselves. We worship other things before God, and that will begin to destroy your life. So worshiping God is actually more for your benefit than God. You will actually begin to experience the goodness of God, the power of God, and you experience the presence of God when you begin to worship God. And when you recognize the goodness of God, man, you'll worship God even more. This is why you see people lifting their hands today. This is why you see them singing today, why they're clapping today, because they're expressing the goodness of God. They understand that everything they have is because of God's goodness. Somebody say amen. So what happens? Here's the question today. You can take, write this down. What happens when we forget God's goodness? Number one, you can write this down. We begin to start taking credit for things that God did for us. We take credit for it. 
What begins to happen is when we lose the focus of God's goodness, we begin to take credit for what God has done through us, in us, for us, and without even realizing many times, we begin to take credit for things that God's already done. Really, you are breathing today because of God's goodness. You're alive today because of God's goodness. How many of you, I, 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 could, I could probably take a survey here. How many of you have had close calls and you said, man, something could have happened. And right away you're praying, thank you, Jesus. Thank God. That's the only time you pray, right? The only time when you came to a close call. But really, you're alive today because of God's goodness. And when you begin not to focus on the goodness of God, you begin to take credit. And what happens is you'll find yourself in depression. You'll find yourself wondering, what, uh, looking for answers because you're get, taking the credit when God should be getting the glory. And believe it or not, many times God will bring quick judgment on you because you're taking credit for things that God's done for your life. In fact, let me read you a scripture here in Luke chapter 12. I'm going to go as quick as I can. Here's the story about a man, a rich man. Not that rich is a bad thing, but it says this about his attitude. He told a parable to them saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have room? I have no more room for my, to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull down my barns and I'm going to build greater ones. And there will I store all of my grain and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. I'm going to take rest. I'm going to eat, drink, be merry. In other words, I'm going to part him, do whatever I want. But God said to him this, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who stores up treasures for himself. But it's not rich in God. So being rich and wealthy is not an evil thing. It's the attitude that you have. That all of a sudden you begin to take credit for everything that you have and you give no glory to God. You begin, the Bible says this rich guy says he begins to survey uh, uh, all the money that, he's, uh, that he has. He begins to survey everything and, and he says, man, you know, I, I've done all this myself. And God said, you're a fool today. You, you're not ready for eternity. All you've done is prepare yourself for the here and now. And you don't even realize today you're going to die and you're not rich or you have no relationship with God. This is why we have to focus on the goodness of God. We can't take credit for, for many things in our life today. Uh, think about this. Let me just say this. What are the top, if I could just ask you, what are the top 10 sins in your own mind right now? Most of us would probably say, man, murder has to be the number one. Or it could be some sexual sin. Or it could be abusing somebody. Or it could be abusing or taking advantage of somebody and getting them to do something. But believe it or not, I believe it's what this rich man had. He had pride and ingratitude for what he had. I believe the number one sin is your pride. All of a sudden, you begin to take credit for things that are in your life when God should be getting the glory. Do you realize that Satan was cast out of heaven because of pride? He was ungrateful. 
He had ingratitude in his life. The Bible tells us a story. I can't read the whole story here, but it's in Acts chapter 12. There's the king by the name of King Herod, and the Bible says he stands up one day, and he makes this speech, and the people begin to clap, and the people begin to honor him, and they say, this is the voice of God and not of man. And the Bible says he begins to kind of glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that moment, the Bible said, judgment came on that man. And he was struck with the disease and he died. Because of why? Not because of greed. Not because of murder. Not because of something immoral. But because the man was prideful and ungrateful and not giving God the glory. See, what we have today is what we call the self-made man. I've done this myself. I've worked hard with my bare hands. Who gave you that hand? Oh, man, I, I, I came up with the whole plan. Who gave you the brain? Oh, man, I've seen all of this before. I, I had the vision. Who gave you those eyes? Who gave you all the thoughts and all of that? It was God. I've worked so hard. Who gave you the ability? See, when we begin to think about taking all this credit, uh, he gave you the ability to see. He gave you the ability to hear. He gave you the ability to think. He gave you the ability to walk and to work. All of these things, God gave you the ability. It's not you. It's God. And yet, when we're ungrateful, we begin to focus not on his goodness, but we begin to focus on ourselves. Do you realize that ingratitude and pride is the root of atheism? People today don't believe in God. You know why? Because they're ungrateful. They think they've done it all. They, they've gotten themselves so uh, full of pride that they're dismissing who God is. In fact, the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, let me read this verse. It says, forever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature can be clearly seen and being understood through his workmanship. In other words, look at nature, all his creation, the wonderful things that he made. All you have to do is step outside and look at nature. How many of you have ever been up to the sequoias of Yosemite? You think that just happened by a big bang by accident? Somebody created that. Any of you, be honest. I mean, you know, look out there, man. Everything, all of creation. So the Bible says, so they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without a defense. See, when we begin to think that we got it all worked out, and we begin to be ungrateful and full of ingratitude, that's where atheism comes in. Think about all the variety. Do you think that just was an accident, some big bang happened, and all of this came about? You think that creation just kind of accidentally happened? Where, where, where there's the creation, there's somebody that created it. Where there is something there, there's the designer. Are you with me? If, I, if I'm walking along the, the, you know, life, I want you to know the, 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 I should say clock, I'm saying the iPhone, the iWatch that you have, somebody designed that. Everything, I look at all the variety of uh, nature and animals, different sizes, uh, a different uh, variety. Look at, look at all over this room, we have different sizes. Some are, some are uh, big, some are small, some are tall, some are short, right? Some are cute, some are distinct, uh, some are different, right? All of us, right? 
Some have character. Hallelujah. I'm not going to say good, bad, the ugly. I'm going to say character. Yeah. Some, some babies say, man, that baby has character. Let me just tell you. <laughs> but God created, God, God the designer, the solar system, all of these things. It's God. In fact, uh, jo- uh, Psalms 104 talks about the creation of God. I've got no time to uh, go through all this. Psalms 145, Job says this, in his hands is life of every creature and the breath of mankind. So just looking at nature, we know that God is indeed the one that created it. To live in denial is to not deny God. To deny that there's the creator is to deny God himself. Psalm chapter 8, verse 3. I love what it says. I look at your heavens, which you made with your fingers. I see the moon and the stars, which you created. But why are people even important to you? Why do you take care of human beings? Look at that. God is this great creator, yet he cares about you and me. He cares about every single one of you, about every single one of our needs. And what happens is the reason why people don't want to believe in God is because they want to be God themselves. They don't want a master in their life. They don't want a Lord in their life. I'm preaching this morning. That's all right. They want to take credit for everything. Think about this creation. I mean, In the beginning, there had to be something because nothing, something doesn't come from nothing. Nothing produces nothing, right? Nothing is nothing. Am I right? Something can't come out of nothing. That means there is something always there. It's God, right? That's who it was. So let's listen to this atheist. About a minute and a half. His name is Richard Dawkins, and he begins to explain nothing, how great nothing is. So let's hear what Richard Dawkins has to say. This ungrateful man by the name of Richard Dawkins. uh, Next week. Now, it is very mysterious how the universe came into being. It's a deeply mysterious and interesting question. And and can I just interrupt? It's an old question, a very old question. Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century was asking the same question. He said there must have been a time when no physical things existed. But something can't come from nothing. That was his view. It's just well, repeated by us. Something error. can come from nothing, yeah. and that's what physicists are now, are now telling us. Um, I could give you, you asked me to give you a, a layman's interpretation. It would be a very, very layman's interpretation. Um, when you have um, matter and antimatter and you put them together, um, they cancel each other out and give rise to, to nothing. Mm-hmm. What Lawrence Krauss is now suggesting is that if you start with nothing, the process can go into reverse and produce matter and antimatter. <laughs> the, the theory is still being worked out. Well, there are many troubles with Richard's uh, teachings, but a fundamental one is that he dumbs down God and he soups up nothing. <laughs> You can quickly respond to you that. Can, you can week. dispute exactly what's, what's meant by, by nothing, but whatever yeah. it is, it's very, very simple. <laughs> and why is that funny? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit funny to be trying to define nothing. <laughs> whom, I, whom I shall be talking to uh, next week. Now, 
It is very mysterious how the came into being. So he's defining nothing. He says somehow nothing can go in reverse and produce matter. Nothing. Like nothing can produce something. It just tells you the pride and the arrogance. And this guy continues, if you see some of his videos, and continues to talk about this nothing. I go, are we now redefining nothing? Because nothing is zero, nada, zero, or, you know, nothing. That means there's nothing there. But again, it's the people that are not focusing on the goodness of God because pride has gotten a hold of them. In fact, believe it or not, this is a sign, I think, in the last days. Second Timothy chapter 3, it says this, know this in the last days or the last time a period in history, a last days, a peerless time will come. It says men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without a natural affection, truce break breakers, slanderers, unrestrained, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Does that sound familiar today? And again, what I'm saying to you is people, again, have allowed pride to uh, block or, their, or, or disturb or dis, uh, basically disrupt their view of God's goodness. Let me move on here. The second thing that happens when we stop focusing on the goodness of God is we stop asking God for any help. In other words, we begin to think that we can do it on our own. That we are sufficient in ourselves. In other words, we're not praying. We're not asking God for any help. We're going to get by on our own. And yet Jesus says over and over in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You have not, the Bible says, because you ask not. And believe it or not, there is no request that is too big for God. In fact, every request is a very small thing to God. God cares about your everyday life. He cares about everything that you're thinking about or you have need of. He cares about your, your, your children. He cares about the pain in your back. He cares about the head, headache. Are you with me? He cares about your money problem. How many believe that today? He cares about that. Bible says he knows the number of hairs uh, on your head and those that went down the drain today. And I, I know how that feels. So all of that. And if we're not careful, we begin to get stuck in a place where we're not praying. We're not trusting God. And yet the way we learn how to trust God is we're asking God for help. How many know our own children, uh, the way they grew up, they learn how to trust you. It happened from the day they were born. They begin to cry, and all of a sudden, you came and answered their cry. They were crying for food. They were crying because they needed a diaper change. And as they grow older and older, they begin to trust you. They trust that mom and dad is going to take care of them. And finally, you get them to a place of maturity, and they're able to develop on their own. But that's the circle of trust that has happened between you and your children. Believe it or not, when ourselves with God, if we begin to form this circle of trust with God, that when we cry to God, when we begin to pray to God, that God meets our need, that God's the one that gets the glory, that everything we have is because of God. Somebody give God praise today. 
as you mature, you begin to realize delay is not denial. It, you have to wait. You ever told your children we're going to go to Disneyland uh, pretty soon in a week or so, and they're asking you every day, is today the day? I said, no, 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 you know, uh, five, five more nights, you know, five more nights, three more nights, two more nights, right? Yeah. You're trying to teach your children, and, and they're mad because, you know, you said we're going to Disneyland. I said, just wait, be patient. We're going to go. Don't worry. Am I right? And we're, and we're developing that, but we have to learn how to trust God, and yet it's all based on his goodness. Number three, what we begin to do when we don't focus on God's goodness is we don't trust God in difficult times. How many of you have ever had some difficult times in your life? I think all of us here can raise our hand, and there have been times of difficulty there have been times of trial and problems, and there are times where we're saying, God, I don't know how we're going to get through this. And when we don't focus on God's goodness, we don't trust God through these difficulties. And yet it was, uh, it was King David that said, protect me in Psalm 16. Protect me, God, because I trust in you. You are my Lord, and every good thing I have comes from you. Paul the Apostle says, you know we can have joy even in troubles because we know that these troubles are good for us, producing patience and character and hope. So even the bad things in life, we learn that God can turn them for the good. In fact, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, uh, we know that everything, and I'm talking about everything, not just something, that God works for good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. We believe today that even in bad difficulties, uh, even in bad situations, uh, even in moments where we're wondering where God is, uh, that God is still good. Uh, no matter what the bad news is, sometimes good news could be disguised in bad news. It's not the news you receive, it's the report you believe. The news is not the report, the news is what happened but the report is what you make of what happens. I'm reminded of a story of a Chinese farmer. Some of you have heard this before, but I'll read it to you anyway. There was a Chinese farmer had a had only one horse and had one son. One day the horse ran off and the local villagers came and said, sorry about the bad news. The old farmer said, how do you know it's bad news? The next day the horse returned bringing with him an entire herd of horses. The villagers came and said, we heard the good news. The old farmer said, how do you know it's good news? The next day, while they were taming some of the wild horses, the farmer's son broke his leg. The villagers came and said, we heard the bad news. The farmer said, how do you know it's bad news? The next day, there was a war, and everybody'd man was enlisted and sent into battle, except the farmer's son, because he had broken his leg. The neighbors came and congratulated the farmer and said, we heard the good news. And the old farmer said, how do you know it's good news? See, you don't know if it's good news or bad news. It's not the news you believe, it's the report that you believe. It's what you make out of it today. 
We don't know everything uh, uh, that's going to happen, every negative thing that's happening in your life, every trial, every storm. How do you know? It's the interpretation of what you see and whether you're going to trust God or not. When we don't focus on the goodness of God, write this down, we begin to become cynical, pessimistic, or we begin to get depressed about even the future. How many people do you know today when you begin to talk to them, they're depressed? You keep hearing the news every day, you're going to get very depressed. Sometimes I just stop listening to that stuff. I'm just, I'm, I've had enough. I've had enough. Everything's negative. I mean, they just keep doing it over and over and over. 2020 was negative. I get it. But here we are, 2023. Did you die? Did you make it? You made it. Now, I know there's a number of people that died, but you made it, right? You're okay. Everybody in the world didn't die. Yeah, we know there are many people that died, and we pray for all the family. But I'm here to tell you today that everyone didn't die like they thought. They made it worse than it, than it really was. They literally were saying there were going to be bodies all over. They, you know, there just going to be trucks picking up bodies. Well, it didn't happen the way. We understand people passed away. But what I'm saying is if we're not careful, when we don't focus on the goodness of God, we become pessimistic or cynical about the future. We begin to lose hope. Do you realize that hope and goodness are co connected? Psalm chapter 27 says, I would have despaired. In other words, I would have been desperate unless I believed that I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I would have been at a place of no hope. I would have been in a place where, you know what, uh, a, a car without gas, a, a, a boat without a paddle. I would have been at a place saying, God, what are you going to do? And then it said, instead, I thought, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Yes, wait. For the Lord. So if we're not careful today, when we don't trust in God, when we don't trust in the goodness of God, we become cynical about the future and we begin to make decisions real quick, out of a hurry, real fast. We don't, we, we, we don't wait. We become impatient with things. And before you know it, man, you're making purchases. You're, you're doing things. I can put it on the credit card. Now you got yourself in debt. Am I right? I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And many of the problems is, the, is because we don't want to wait. We can't wait. And we begin to find ourselves making bad decisions because we're focusing uh, uh, or we've lost hope. We don't trust that God can, can get us through. And I'm here to tell you, friend, uh, God is still God. He is large and in charge. So a couple of things I want to encourage you to do. Number one, start focusing on the ways that God has been good to you. I've told you one of the things that have helped me in my walk with God. I've been walking with God for over 40 years. I got saved when I was very young, 16 years old, and God had blessed my life. One of the things that keeps me going is I'm just grateful. Every day I wake up. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Every time I walk into this church, even this morning, I see I'm about to cry. I almost cry. I say, Lord, thank you that I could be here today, that I get to preach the word of God. I'm just grateful because of God's goodness. And so if there's anything I can encourage you to do is start focusing 
on the things that God had been good to you. Count your blessings. Can you say amen? Number two, I want to encourage you, don't miss this series. Don't miss this sermon series. Come every Sunday. I'm a hope dealer. You ever made a dope dealer? I'm a hope dealer. Amen. I'm going to give you some hope this week, this month. I'm a hope dealer today. I have no, uh, I'm not ashamed to say it. Because how many know that God's goodness gives us hope? I said his goodness gives us hope today. Jeremiah 29, 11, we know the scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I'm telling you today that God's taking care of me. Amen. I don't know what tomorrow has, but I, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. God's large and in charge. I don't care what the news says. I don't care what everything says. I know that God takes care of us. And I'm going to give you some benefits now about having the goodness of God in your life. And it's in Psalms 23. And I'm going to just take a few minutes here to talk about this because I want to encourage you today. Psalms 23, if you've never read that scripture, it's actually a famous chapter in the Bible. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not lack or I will not lack anything. This was what David said. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalms 23 verse 1 and I will lack nothing. So number one write this down. He will meet my needs even when I'm worried. He's going to meet my needs. Believe it or not God will meet your need because he's a good God. Can you say amen? Number two he will teach me to be in peace or teach me to be calm. When I'm stressed out, it says in verse number two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. In other words, this is the metaphor for peace. He lets you lay down. He lets you be in peace, in tranquility. Almost like if you're, you're resting by a, a brook of water, uh, uh, about a, I don't know, about six months ago, my wife and I, uh, I don't know how we got into it, but we, we got into a water fountain. We wanted to get this water fountain. Might have been a year ago. And, uh, and so we put this water fountain in the back patio, and I just love that water fountain, man. I would put that little water fountain, and I hear the drips of water, and I'm sitting there in my patio, and I'm reading. I just uh, I love that water fountain. And, and then we have a little family room right there where the window's up there. And she goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm going to sit in the couch, but I want to hear the water fountain. I want to just hear. Uh, it just brings peace. It brings just tranquility. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You guys are looking like, you're weird. I'm not weird. I'm telling you. This, this is kind of what I imagine. You know, he's in tranquility, man. He, he's, got the, he's got the water fountain. Some of you guys say, I'm going to go get a water fountain. I'm telling you, it's, it's awesome. And, 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 and it's it just, it just a fountain, right? That's a water fountain. Fountain, fountain. That's what I meant to say. Uh, Psalm 23, here it is. He renews my strength. It says this, he restores my soul or he gives me new strength. In other words, when I trust in the goodness of God, he strengthens me. He renews me. He restores me. If you're looking for restoration, if you're looking for strength, you need to turn to God because he restores that. Number four, he says, he guides me in the right path for his namesake for because he is the, basically he's the good God. In other words, when you're confused, God will bring guidance to you. 
When you're looking for answers, God will bring guidance to you. And then it said, he will walk with me even in fearful times. It said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. How many know God's with you even in the dark times of your life? And number six here, it says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is it saying? That we can feel protected and feel secure because God is guiding us and protecting us with his rod and his staff. Did you know that's exactly what a shepherd has? He has the staff that guides the sheep, and he has the rod that protects the sheep from the enemy or protects them from uh, basically the wolves and those that are trying to go after the sheep. He protects them with those two. The number seven, I love this. He will publicly show his favor on your life. In other words, today, God wants to favor you, and he'll do it publicly. It says here in Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a banquet for me in front of all my enemies. Na, 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 na. Remember that? Remember you say, yeah, here I am. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Can I be honest with you today? Uh, from the time I've gotten saved and given my, God has shown me favor. It's the favor of God. It's the goodness of God. I don't say that pridefully. I don't say that because I'm better than everybody else. I'm here to tell you, God wants to favor you. In fact, I want you to know God does favor you. God anoints your head with oil. And sometimes favor is not fair. Sometimes God will be blessing your friend. You go, man, he don't deserve it. That favor is not fair. Hallelujah. God will bless that person. God will favor that person. Surely goodness and mercy, it says here. It says, and goodness will happen to me. It says, surely goodness and mercy or love will follow me all the days of my life. In other words, God's goodness is going to be with me. He'll, he'll be with me. It will never, uh, I, I, I will never outlast the goodness of God. And the last thing, it says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. In other words, that goodness is going to take me right into heaven. How many want that this morning? I said, how many want that this morning? See, this is what I'm talking about, the goodness of God. And basically, when you remember the goodness of God, when you remember what he's done and everything that you have, that he guides you, that he leads you, that basically it's because of God, everything that you have, that he is your source, that he is the one that's meeting your need, that you're not making an idol out of your job. You're not making an idol out of the money that you have. You're not making an idol of yourself. You understand the benefits and the goodness and the blessing comes from God. Think about this. We call the time that Jesus was beaten and, and abused Good Friday. Think about that. Good Friday. Why is it good? He was tortured. His life was taken for us. But see, what good came out of it is that we got saved. And God touched our lives and transformed us today and forgave us. How many know that's a good thing? So even out of the bad things, God can do something good. I'm here to tell you today. I'm here to remind you today 
that I don't know what you're going through. And I'm not saying today that there's not pain in your life. I'm not saying to you today that there are things in your life that I can literally say, I don't know why they're happening to you. But despite all of that, I can still say to you, God's still good. Your circumstances may not be ideal. Your circumstances may not be where you want them to be, but I'm here to tell you, God's still good. And I'm also here to tell you, there's still hope because he's a good God today. And he loves you. So I want to pray. Would you just bow your heads with me in reverence to the Lord right now? Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.